Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Pastor Sarah Olson-Smith, it's a joy to be with you today. I am recording this a few weeks after Easter. Most of us have put our Easter decorations away, and while there still might be a few chocolate eggs somewhere, 
we've kind of moved past Easter. But here in the church, we're still celebrating this incredible day, this season, the power of the resurrected Jesus. And today, we'll hear how Jesus showed up to be with his friends just after that first Easter morning. In this story, we'll hear about Jesus' friends who are still heartbroken at the death of Jesus. And so they decide to go back to fishing like they used to. They spent the night out on the water, but didn't catch a single fish. But in the morning, to their amazement, the risen Christ shows up on the lakeshore, tells them to cast their nets, and soon those nets are filled with fish. And the disciples, with joy in discovering that their risen Lord was alive and with them, jumped in the water and rushed to see them. Here is what happens next. From the Gospel, according to John, the 21st chapter. When the disciples had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So here are now some thoughts on that reading from the 21st chapter of John. Grace to you and peace from Christ Jesus our Lord and our Savior. In the mid-1990s, a pastor and a radio host named Gary Chapman wrote a book that would soon sell over 11 million copies, be translated into 49 different languages. It's sort of funny that the book was translated into so many languages because it is a book about languages, but not Spanish or Cantonese or Swahili. It's still about the languages of love. Gary Chapman came up with this idea about the five love languages, perhaps you've heard about this, naming that people express or share love in different kinds of ways through these different expressions, some words of affirmation, quality time, 
receiving gifts, giving gifts, the acts of service, physical touch. Chapman argues that while each of these languages are expressed by all of us, by some degree, a person usually speaks one primary language of how they give or how they receive love. When we are in relationships with the people, it helps to know how they show their love. Love is not just a feeling after all, but it can be shown in all kinds of different ways beyond just saying, I love you. Say that someone tends to show love by acts of service, then the times that they do the dishes or they offer to bring over a casserole often means more than just clean dishes or some green beans and cream of mushroom soup. Or if you know your partner receives love by words of affirmation, you can choose to say things like, that was really insightful what you said, or you mean so much to me. Knowing the languages we speak, the ways we show love, the ways we experience receiving it can be really transformative in our relationships with people. Not just our romantic partners, but in friendships and families with coworkers too. Someone might be telling you that they care a whole lot about you, but you never really understood it. You just needed some kind of translation, a lens to see it. I remember talking one time with some friends during seminary as we were preparing to be pastors, and maybe one of our love languages was lengthy and obscure conversations about the nature of Jesus, because one of my friends asked, I wonder, I wonder what Jesus' love language would be. One of my friends was convinced that Jesus' love languages was words of affirmation. He named all the time that Jesus spoke to his friends of his love for them, the ways he entrusted so much to them, blessing, and the times he blessed children as he pulled them onto his lap, speaking words of forgiveness, affirmation, and welcome to outcasts. Another one said, no, no, Jesus' love language would be quality time. She talked about Jesus showing up and gathering all his friends for so many meals, meal after meal after meal, wanting just a little more time with them as he prayed with them in the garden. I was convinced that it was gift-giving, which happens to be one of my own love languages. Jesus didn't buy a lot, but he gave so many gifts, bread, wine, gave his very life for us. Someone else countered that Jesus showed love by acts of service, washing feet, turning water to wine, multiplying loaves and fishes. Another debated it was physical touch, the time he washed feet, laying on of hands, all those things for too long. We debated this, but after it all happened, we've just decided that in many ways, Jesus showed love in all of those different expressions, in part, I think, because it matters to Jesus that everyone could know this love, feel it, understand it, receive it, regardless of who we are and how we come to experience love. And there's such goodness in this because in the ways that Jesus shows love in a multitude of ways, means that even now, centuries after his death and resurrection and ascension, even now, each of us experience this love. We're drawn into it. We're transformed by it. And in some ways, even in just this little snippet of a story that I just heard of Jesus on the shore, 
we see the multiple ways that Jesus shows love. He gives a gift, 153 fish, more than the nets could hold. He serves them, building a fire, making breakfast, spends quality time with them. I imagine, too, that there must have been a big bear hugs as they swam to the shore to see the risen Christ, clinging to those hands with wounds still in them. And then Jesus has this conversation with Simon Peter where three separate times Jesus asks him if he loves him. And Simon Peter says three times, yes, Lord, you know I love you. It might not initially sound like those words of affirmation, but I believe in that moment Jesus is unraveling, undoing the shame and the sorrow that Peter must have felt after those three times denying Jesus before his death. In those words, we hear Jesus giving Simon Peter another shot, a chance to choose another path, to, to step towards love with trust. Jesus has this conversation that brings Simon Peter back, invites him back to that place as the rock, the one who would lead the church. And in this, Jesus does one of his signature moves. He takes something awful and turns it into something amazing. A cross becomes a sign of love. Death becomes life. An empty net becomes full of fish. A denier becomes a leader. Jesus' love language in so many ways is about making a way when there is no way making possibilities where there are only impossibilities, bringing hope where there is despair, freedom when we are stuck, forgiveness when we've totally messed up. So there's hope for us, even us, even yet. In this moment on the shore, we see that the worst things we've done don't have to define our lives. But something else happens in that moment. Jesus teaches Simon Peter and the rest of us something about the ways that Jesus shows love. Three times Jesus asks Peter, or Jesus receives love. Three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And when Peter says, yes, of course I love you. You know, you know I love you. And three times Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, Feed my sheep. Jesus names to Simon Peter and to us that the primary ways that Jesus receives love is by us loving others. The ways we can love Jesus to grow in our relationship with him, to get closer to Jesus, is by caring for others, being in relationship with others, tending to the community to which we've been given. This is consistent with God's character throughout scripture, we hear that God most desires for us as we love God is to love our neighbors. God doesn't need fancy gifts, fancy words. And those famous words from the prophet Micah, the Micah says that God speaks, shall I come before God with burnt offerings, calves? Does God want thousands of rams, 10,000s of rivers of oil? Micah says, no. O mortal, this is what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to love kindness, 
to walk humbly with God. So how do we love Jesus? We love Jesus by loving others. We can authentically express our love and praise God through all of those other languages in our song and in our offerings of gifts, our offerings of resources to others, in quiet moments of prayer. But it is in loving others that we can show Jesus and to show this world that we love him. We do this by loving others. And that love can take on all kinds of forms, feeding people at meal sites or through food pantries or with casseroles when life is hard, showing up for people to listen and to support them, writing letters and making phone calls, helping in the yard, speaking words of encouragement. It is expressed in all kinds of ways with others. I was talking to a woman, uh, to the son of a woman who died this week, and he talked about his mom and how much he loved, she loved him, and how she never once doubted him, doubted his artistic endeavors and pursuits, even when he doubted himself. And then he said, plus, she'd always have zebra cakes in the pantry. (laughs) No matter how old I got, she would always have the snacks she knew that I loved. (laughs) Snacks in the pantry, (laughs) such a form of love. In recent years, there have been these longitudinal studies from people at Harvard and other fancy places that have studied happiness, how to have a life of meaning and purpose, joy and fulfillment in our lives. And in those studies, which reflect my own observations and conversations with people, especially at the end of their lives, they show that there are two things that bring fulfillment in life, two things that are necessary, and it's not wealth, it's not even health, it's not the stuff or have, or we have or a whole lot of good luck. Instead, what all of those studies come down to and conclude is that there are two things that we need to have a fulfilled, happy, purposeful life. Two things, relationships and a sense of purpose or meaning. We humans need people who care about us, who we can care about, a feeling of belonging to a community or even just a few people. And we need a sense of meaning that what we do and who we are deeply matters. In that conversation on the lake shore so long ago, Jesus gives to Simon Peter both of those things, this pathway to deep and lasting joy. First, in that encounter, Jesus reminds him of his place with Jesus and the community. With forgiveness and mercy and grace, Jesus names that Simon Peter will always belong despite all those missteps he made. And then Jesus gives Simon Peter a purpose, to feed the flock, to tend the lambs. And both of these are gifts that Jesus gives to us too. We are given each other, this incredible community of people, of grace, of belonging. And together we are given a purpose, to show God's love to this world, love that this world so deeply needs. And so as we live this way, we will not 
only experience the love of Jesus in so many different languages, but we get to show it to others. And in this, we will come to know the power of the resurrected life, a life of abundance, of deep and transformative joy. Amen. to God in prayer, saying those words Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now receive this blessing. The blessing of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, surround and sustain you, 
keep you from harm, and fill you with courage as you love this world in bold and brave ways. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.